This podcast is brought to you by the website of doom.com. Hello and welcome to Aaron Fever Talks 2. My name is Aaron Fever, and this week I will be talking to comic book writer Umar Ditta. Uh, you may know Umar's comic work uh, with Untethered, which has gotten some uh, great reviews. Uh, he's currently working on uh, issue two, but we'll save information for stuff like that um, for the rest of the, the interview. Um, I've met Umar uh, just a couple of years ago at Thought Bubble, uh, which is a wonderful convention in the UK. We talk at length about how much we enjoy it uh, later on. Uh, but it's a lovely chat uh, with a lovely person. This chat was made possible due to Patreon.com and the lovely Patreon subscribers who go to Patreon.com forward slash Aaron Fever and donate. Uh, this is the only ad you'll hear on this podcast, folks, and it's not even an ad. It's more of a desperate plea. <laughs> Let's pretend there's no desperation there. But it, it, it's basically me telling you that this podcast costs a little bit of money to make, um, and my life costs a little bit of money to continue. So if you like either of those things, please go to patreon.com forward slash Aaron Fever, where you can donate as little as $1 a month. And that gets you early access to this podcast and other projects that I do, along with a monthly newsletter that I write that uh, updates you on all the different projects that I'm working on, like my comic books or uh, my comedy or anything else. Basically, my life. I'll, I'll share a lot of weird personal information with you there as well. So if you want to go there and do that, you are wonderful. If you don't, you're still pretty good. I'm not going to lie, you're alright, you're pretty good, because you're listening to this podcast, which I appreciate. So, uh, I'll stop rambling now, now it's just going to be clear sailing for the rest of this audio file. You can just you can relax, no one's going to sell anything to you for the rest of the podcast. All you have to do is breathe in first, then out, and enjoy my talk with Umar Ditta. Hey, do you want the camera on? Uh, no, I'm cool without it. Uh, no worries, no worries. Um, I just uh, Skype can be a fickle mistress, so sometimes the extra bandwidth of relying on the video can be a problem. Uh, no worries, no worries. I think the last time I used Skype was for like a failed interview I had about three years ago, so I definitely needed to update it. I didn't know I needed to do it today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. Um, it's one of those kind of apps that uh, seemed like everybody was using it for a short while and nobody's been using it for a long while. So, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so how are you today? Are you just, just home in the door, are you? Yeah, well, uh, I went to the gym like I do. And then when I head back, I was like, I'll just switch on the computer and give Aaron a call. And then I realized my PC, my faster PC, doesn't have Skype. So I had to dig out the old dusty uh, laptop that I nearly smashed through the wall when it took so long to load up. So, <laughs> good luck with that. Okay, so oh. for for anybody who doesn't know you, um, yeah, you. Oh, we live. Yeah, well, we're live. <laughs> just... We 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 don't mess around here. Um, I say right. we, I say we like I have a team of people. It's myself. <laughs> but uh, for anyone who doesn't know you, you are a beefy motherfucker. I yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's fair to say. Uh, when did you start going to the gym? Oof, uh, about when I was 16 or 17, so about 10 years ago. Um, yeah, well, when, when you first go to the gym, it's how you are when you're like a typical teenager. You're like, oh, I've seen Rocky. I know what to do. 
<laughs> you don't. You don't. It, it was terrible. It was so bad for like my first month. I was trying to do everything. And then the owner, who was another beefy motherfucker of the gym, and he just said, right, you've been here for a month. He just sat me aside and he said, you need to do this on this day, that on that day, and that on that day. I was like, thank you for that. I really needed that. I really did need that because I have no clue what I was doing. Now, were you like a teenager who was like skinny and bulked up? Or like were you a teenager who was big yeah. and bulked down? I, th- I think I was just like a regular teenager because I used to yeah play football and things like that. But when you look at the other guys, when you move in from high school to college, they were like, oh, I'm going to the gym, I'm going to the gym. I'm like, what's this? Never heard of it. Like down the road. And then I tried it out and I was like, I like it here. I like this. So I never was, I never was like a big teenager or a small teenager. I was just regular size, I guess it was. And then uh, sort of bulked up in the gym, I guess. That's the only way to go, isn't it? If, if you're a beefy motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What was the what was the draw of it for you? Like, because you know, at that uh, age, I was a lazy kid. I was. I just wanted yeah. to stay at home and watch TV at all times. Uh, uh, don't get me wrong. I was a lazy bastard, but when it came to the gym, I, I, it was just something that you know, sort of, I wanted to do. But also, I tell you what, also, also really motivated us um, wrestling. Okay, yeah. And this is a weird thing. This is when I was sort of edging away from wrestling. But ever since in the back of my head, I was like, come on, you always want to look like the big bastards. You always want to, because they were the good guys or bad guys. It doesn't matter. They were just big fuckers. And that's what I sort of tried to emulate, I guess. But always in the back of my head, it's always like the wrestling sort of stuff. Yeah, I kind of, I so myself and, and my wife Darcy, we, we talk a lot about kind of like body image and, and you know, how society has messed that up for, for women particularly, but I try, I, oh, tried, yeah. I tried to get across to her how like watching wrestling from a child, I have weird expectations of how bodies are supposed to be, like for men as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, because I remember like the first time I saw a picture of myself with big bushy like uh, armpit hair. I was weirded yeah. out because wrestlers shave all, they all shave their armpits. So I was like, it's just supposed to look like that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm like, why isn't everyone covered in baby oil? Yeah. Yeah. Why? why <laughs> I, it's like people look at me like my hair is soaking wet at all times. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is how it's supposed to be, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But no, I totally, get, I totally get what you mean when, when you look at, you know, that's the sort of, pinnacle that you want to be and, and that's what it is that they are just superheroes but in real life it's so weird because when you ever look at John Cena it's like even when he's breathing in he still has muscles he always just has muscles it's so weird he's, he is a freak but it's like that's the sort of weird standard that way down the line that you want to set yourself to yeah cause like, obviously that's, that's extreme because yeah because you can see when he started out which was about 15 years ago now i mean he was a big bulky guy but he has like grown exponentially over those years yeah absolutely and, and he's become his own guy as well which is really good uh because obviously for when, when you look at wrestling when i when i got back into wrestling a couple of years ago i was like oh john cena i guess he sucks and all that stuff but then you got to figure out this guy's kept the same gimmick, same thing for 15 years. Yeah, you can hate him or whatever, but you got to respect the bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you have you been kind of 
I I try not to read too many like wrestling website stuff or you know news articles or whatever because I like to kind of come into it a little bit blind most of the time. But mm-hmm. um, I've noticed a lot of like very personal John Cena information stories floating around lately since his whole breakup thing. Are you are you do you keep abreast of that? <sighs> no, not anymore. That the dirt sheets and all that. I, I just enjoy the wrestling for the wrestling. Anything if they want to chuck in the storyline, I'm I'm all I'm all up for it. But yeah. that's his private stuff. Man. I can't be I can't be bothered with that. But it is I, I you do hear rumblings because my wife I, I sort of got her into wrestling, which yeah uh, I think she's okay with. But she really loves Totally Divas and yeah, actually no, not even the Bella Show. She doesn't like the Bella Show, but she loves Totally Divas. And she's just waiting for the next season when this whole sort of John Cena angle comes to light, which is going to be proper top wing, I think. Do you think it's a work? I say I don't read it, but I did see a headline. I think it was on Twitter where he said he still wants to marry her, which is weird because I thought they broke up. But I don't think it's a work because they're not putting it much into... The shows are they're not working it in. That yeah, much. unless like there's been a lot of suggestions about like the idea that the breakup was you know done for total bellas because they are due to have a season come out soon. So, um, uh, yeah, 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 that does make sense. That does make sense. But I, I guess we'll have to see. I guess we we'll have to just wait and see what happens. Yeah. Um that's the next level of like wrestling working, though. I think is kind of messing with our heads on their relationships. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, at least no one's getting blown up in a limo. Oh God! Yeah, let's not go down that road. <laughs> Um, or messing with somebody in like a, a, a coffin, um, which is yeah. Oh no, no, no. Um, so who was your who was your wrestling kind of like you know god when you were a kid? Um, other than your usuals, um, you know, Rock, Stone Cold. For me, weirdly enough, it was Edge. Oh yeah, I can see that. Uh, especially when uh, let me get my years right here from like 2000 2002 when it was uh, I think it was SummerSlam the TLC match between him Hardy Boys and the Dudley Boys I think I was like how is this not the main event yeah it was crazy it was mental mental but yeah it it was just also Edge is all sort of like persona of uh, you know the rated R superstar and all that stuff. So yeah, he was like I'm a go-to guy. For like yeah, I'm backing this guy. He's, he's a prick, but he's a lovable prick. <laughs> well, yeah, I kind of there was a there was an element for me. I liked him because he was kind of like a skinny-ish kind of wrestler in the sense he was never yeah, too yeah. never too broad. And I yeah, was a, exactly. I was a very skinny kid growing up, so the kind of the more normal looking people I was always like <laughs> yeah. related to. Um. But uh, so yeah, so you, as you said before, wrestling and comics kind of go hand in hand an awful lot of the time. Oh yeah, um, so much overlap. Yeah. So what was was which came first for you? Was it wrestling or was it comics? Or do you think they were just always around? Um, comics for me. Well, comics for me started off with the traditional, you know, Beano, Dandy, and moving into like uh, the teen sort of comics, like. Uh, Toxic, which were more like magazines with comic strips in them, but still the comics were still there for me, just sort of floating in the back. But I think wrestling was the first one where I actually noticed what it was. 
Okay. Like, oh, it's wrestling. I like this. I like this. While rest, uh, while uh, comics were like, oh, I like these magazines. Magazines. It wasn't until uh, I started, yeah, reading a bit more of the Dandy and Bino. Was like, oh, these are called comics. They're not magazines. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I saw another difference. And it's, uh, the, the, it's amazing how much every, like anybody from the UK or Ireland that I talk to and when it c- comes to comics, like the Beano or Dandy is always like their gateway yeah. drug. And I, it's, it's surprising to me that I don't think Americans kind of have that same sort of like childhood comic, you know, anthology series of comics. Like I just don't, they're missing out somehow, I feel. Yeah, they do have. I suppose the old school Archie Digest, and actually, I do remember getting a couple of digests off a mate of mine in in uh, year four, year five. So I was about ten, and I just took them. I was like, "Do you want them back?" He says, "No." So I was like, "All right, keeping them." And they were amazing. I think that's when I learned what the word. I think it was in a Jughead strip where I learned what the word onomatopoeia meant, which is so weird. I learned what it meant <laughs> through a Jughead script, like a comic story. <laughs> I like that. Can you remember how they how they explained it to you? Oh, I'm trying to think. Was it was it was it on a matipia or was it it, it was uh, like a literacy term? But it was right. It was, oh, was it seal? Something to do with uh, because there was a seal in the strip where uh, it didn't sound how it looked like, and obviously it ended up with Jughead falling flat on his ass at the end, or something like that. Right. Which just perfectly made sense. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's on a TV. I can't remember. I can't remember. All I remember, I fucking loved it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's 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 not even just a gateway drug to comics, those sort of things. But it's it's just you know, like you said, literacy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's great. So where where whereabouts in England did you grow up? Um. Accrington, uh, closest town to that is Blackburn, but closest proper town to that is Manchester, so it's northern. That's why my accent sounds okay. like this. Yeah, no, I, as a because I, you know, this is another thing that I know we share. I, I'm a I'm a football uh, or for the American soccer fan. Um, <laughs> so Accrington Stanley was a name that I yeah, always they, remembered growing up. <laughs> they're in League One now somehow. I totally totally missed that, but they're actually doing pretty decent this season. Good. I'm glad. I'm. I'm glad somebody took them over in, in Football Manager. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still with Arsenal in the year 2070. I think I, I'm just not going to give up. I'm, I'm going to play until my manager uh, dies, which is kind of morbid when you Wait, think about it. Wait, does that happen? I didn't know that happens. I want to find out. <laughs> like, can you live to 125? <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just keep going because my team is so good. I'm just like. Mostly skipping matches, just playing matches, and I'm just want to carry on going until my manager either retires or dies, and I'm like, oh, that's what happens. Then I uninstall it. You are Arsene Wenger. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, actually, I'm a bit of a nomad. I've been all over the places because I'm I'm a right bastard because I'm not loyal to anyone. I will try to go to the rival just to sort of stir shit up. <laughs> so in in real life, you're a Liverpool fan, right? Um. No, uh, years back, years back, I used to be an Arsenal fan. Okay. For a couple of years, and that was only because I think my cousin was our oh, sport Arsenal. I was like, yeah, I was a dumb kid. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Oh, we're unbeatable. But then I was like, oh, I can't be asked. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I still do love watching football. I still love, like, I watched uh, uh, Liverpool. Was it was it Roma? I can't remember. Yeah, I was looking at yeah, Liverpool it was Roma. Roma yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching that because also, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love watching football, but also more Salah as a Muslim. I'm like, yes, I am up for this, one hundred percent. Would you say he's the most successful? Because there's, there's quite a few Muslim footballers, but do you think he's the most successful one so far? I think I think he's the one who's broken in. Like if <laughs> if you think about it, like in uh, comics terms, he's probably like like Bendis. Like he's broken into the industry while right. all the others are there but they're not quite as big or something like that just because you do have uh obviously pogba yeah and uh, i think hazard i'm, I'm not one of the charity guys is i can't remember which one I think it might be if it's not Hazard yet. There's so there's definitely at least one player at Chelsea who's Muslim because I've 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 seen the you know what I, mean? I have memories of someone in a Chelsea jersey doing yeah. that celebration where they're on yeah, the yeah knees. yeah. But I think it's just Salah by just tearing everyone apart that has made him into like he, he just watching him play is fucking spectacular. <laughs> it is. It is. Not, how can you hate this guy? Well, he plays for Liverpool, so I know a lot of people could probably hate him in that town that aren't alone. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. Liverpool, but but it's fucking Salah. It's just he's just mesmerising to watch because he just like he just passes the ball and like he like passes it to himself. That's what I love. He just <laughs> just passes it, runs, and then does everything. Passes it over to is it Sani or Mani? I always get him confused. Uh, Mani, I think. Passes it over to Mani, and he skies it over the ball. <laughs> He does, though. He, he does. does. He does. He's not. The, he's not the best that one now. <laughs> um. So I mean, growing up in Accrington, like, is that a very is it a small town? I'm assuming it is. Yeah, it's uh, uh ten thousand people, something like that. But it is fairly small. It's everyone knows everyone pretty much. Yeah, and especially being of Pakistani heritage, you definitely know everyone who knows everyone. Is it, is, is, it, is it not a very kind of diverse area, I'm assuming? No, it, it is. Uh, no, it is pretty diverse from uh, where I was growing up. Um, yeah, because it, it, I think there was like a mill or something like that that my father used to work as well a oh, few cool. years ago. That was, co- that was close by and you know, all sorts of people used to work there. And it's, it's not right place, but it does have its rough sides. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I mean, there's. The, I don't think there's a town in England that doesn't at this point. Oh no, no. It's. it's I guess it's part of the charm. <laughs> <laughs> and so, did you? I'm assuming you like. You didn't. Did you go? Did you go to college? Uh yeah yeah I went to college did the standard stuff that everyone does uh just trying to. Get some of that sweet EMA money. Did, did he have EMA? No, I, I have in, no clue what that is. Is it a drug? What that? No. <laughs> now, what it is is uh, you get. Uh, I think it was about thirty quid a week from the government back when they were nice. Oh, okay. Just yeah. Going to college, so I'm like, I went to college to get thirty pounds a week, which, in hindsight, not the best plan. But no, I, I, I got decent grades, I think. But it was just college, just. Doing what you can do. <laughs> I think what I do: sociology, psychology, and English. So all the basics. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Courses. <laughs> yeah. Or the I'm definitely going to get a job from this. Sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe as a teacher. <laughs> um, and so I'm assuming that took you out of Accrington, then. Yeah. 
well, not that far because now uh, uh, it was over in Blackburn that I did my college, and uh, I lived in Accrington up until a few years ago. Because now I, I I live in one of the smaller towns on the outskirts of Accrington, Great Howard. Okay, which is is quite uh, you know me. I like I like it quite. I don't like talking to people much. <laughs> which is great to have you on for an hour now. You're gonna have to talk to me for a full hour. Can you handle that? But I like you. Oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's like Accrington, but smaller, basically, and a lot more greenery, which is nice. That's see, that's interesting because, like, for because you're still a young man, and people, you know, your age tend to not go further into the countryside uh, around now. They tend to go towards <laughs> the cities. Oh, cities scare me. Really. <laughs> Because I remember uh, I've only been to London once or twice. Okay, I, I did go maybe about 10 years ago when it was like a whole family outing and we took the train and my sister had her kids with her, newborn kids. Okay, so maybe not the best experience, but it just felt so you know, cramped and claustrophobic and uh, cities. I'm not a city guy. Wow. I love that, like, as a, as a man from Ireland, I've been to London more times than you have. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I think I go actively not to go to London sometimes because because I'm like ah, it's too noisy. So how? Okay, so you you uh, for people who may not know, um, you write comic books now and you uh, you're doing quite well and you go to comic conventions. So are they a nightmare for you to be around that many people for a couple of days? No, that's when it gets interesting because I'm sort of comfortable there in my own skin because it's my own people essentially. Right. And that's when you're like, yeah, I love it. Because I, I, I do go, try to go to other cons, but the main con, as you know, that I go to is Thorpe And it is amazing. I love it. Yeah, and that's one of the bigger ones in the UK, I would say, if not the biggest. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Yeah, well, as a your hardcore comics uh, festival, because you do have the other ones where they have what's called the London Supercon, where they sort of mix them together, which, you know, fair enough. But as a purist Comics one, yeah, football. You can't match it in the UK. I think. When when was the first time you went to it? Two thousand eleven, I think. Okay, yeah, a good few years now. Oh, blimey, it's that long ago. Yeah, yeah, about seven years ago. Yeah. And so, what was your first experience there like? Was it kind of you know walking into like Shangri La, or like was it just <laughs> <laughs> intimidating? <laughs> it was because uh, uh, I went down there because um, do, 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 you. you you heard of Millerworld? You know, remember Millerworld? I do, I did. Yep, it was some of the Millerworld lads that told us about it, like, you know, Russ, Keith, and all, all these guys. You know, you come down, come down. And to be fair, I only live about 40 miles away, so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll check it out. But I, did, I didn't get a hotel or anything. I just went there for one day, came back, went there for a second day, and came back, which in hindsight wasn't the best plan because <laughs> I spent like half a day fucking traveling. But, uh, now, as soon as I got in, I was like, okay, so this is a con. I haven't been to one of these in a while. And after about an hour, I was like, I don't want to leave. This is fucking amazing. And so that was 2010 or 2011, you were saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when was it? When did you write your first comic? Ooh, I think, it, uh, well, shorts. I've been doing shorts around then. I think 2011 is when... Uh, I did. Oh, I think my first one. Uh, it's on my website. Is uh, Tommy's 
prayer. I think I think that's my first one that got actually completed because I kept writing scripts, but they were terrible. They were bad. <laughs> uh, they probably still are bad, but I can't. I I think I passed them to some people to have a look at, and they said they were going to do it. I was like, no, no, don't. This I'm just just write more like a writing exercise more than anything. But I think the first short that I've that I got finished was uh, Tommy's Prayer, which, which I, to be fair, to this I am pretty happy with how it, how it ended up. So it, it was around the same time then you're saying. So it was very short, like kind of period of going to conventions and uh, or at least big conventions like Thought Bubble, and then actually giving it a go. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what what was your impetus to actually go? All right, I can do this. Like, had you had, like, writing kind of, you know, interests before that? Or was this, like, a kind of a, a, a real new start for you? Uh, absolutely. I've, I've had proper... Um, I've always wanted to write something because I think, I think this is, like, a story that's been told way over and again and over again in terms of other people, how they got into writing comics is... Uh, back when I was about 17, 16 films, I loved watching films. Tried my hands uh, at writing a couple of short scripts. Some were okay. Some were just random scenes of violence because I thought they were cool because I saw, <laughs> I watched Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and I'm like, ah, this is what films are. Yeah, sure, they are, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then it sort of died down around 2010. I was like, oh, I guess, you know, uh, I don't feel that writing yet, but it was when I was getting back onto the forums in Miller World and also getting back to Thorpe when I was like, I, I, I could have a shot at this. Why not? And so, who was there? Was there? Did you know anybody who was a comic artist at that time that you could collaborate with, or did you really have to search that out? I, I think I did it from scratch. Uh, that, I think at first, when it came to the writing, uh, I think it was about a year or maybe six months before my first Thought Bubble event. I went to a Lancaster Comics Festival or like a little mini comic con and that's when i met andy diggle oh wow yeah and he was the nicest dude ever like i was like i want to write comics and i don't know what i'm doing basically that that's pretty much what i asked him and he gave he just told me to keep writing scripts keep trying to get these you know my comics made and see what happens from there so that was something else that sort of added fuel to the fire yeah it would do. actually having yeah absolutely of having a, a punter but to actually get someone to draw, uh, uh, you know, to get uh, to collaborate with an artist and with a letter and everything like that, it was starting from scratch. It was going on to Miller World looking for, it was, you know, like the standard post that you get. I've got a script here. Who wants to draw it? And then you wait about <laughs> a week. No one. And then, then yeah, you just, I think that was around the time when I started joining Twitter as well, which is a great place to meet some, well, obviously there's some dickheads on Twitter, as we all know, but... <laughs> We won't, we won't give them that airtime. <laughs> oh, fuck no. Fuck no. They can go piss off. But the amount of mates that I've made on Twitter and also people that I collaborated with, it's just phenomenal. That's another place where, where I managed to be like, oh, you like comics? I like comics. I got this. Oh, I got this. Oh, yeah, I got the script. You got this. Oh, let's, let's see if we can do something cool. It's funny. I was talking to someone recently about how Twitter has kind of evolved over the years. Um, because it feels like if uh, for some reason in the early days it didn't feel as crowded. Um, yeah. 
like I don't, and I don't know if it's just we our follow lists have grown or whatever. But I, I, that the sort of conversations that we had, like even five years ago on Twitter, where you could kind of make those kind of connections and, and collaborate with people, don't seem to happen as often anymore because I find it's. I, it's gone more political. It's gone less personal in a way. It's 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 yeah. a, it's a strange beast how it's grown over the time. I suppose it's also how how it's best for the you know the Twitter site itself how to monetize stuff because if people are just chatting with each other, uh, that, that's just me being cynical there. But I'm like, there's got to be some reason why they say, oh, let's have all these moments up here. Let's have more engagement of stuff when people just really just want to talk to each other yeah when it feels like there's something on there but i i still do like twitter because of what it got me like about half the people that i consider my friends i've known them either through twitter or or you know other sort of social media platforms yeah i think there's almost there's weirdly for something that's been around for so short a period of time there's a nostalgia almost uh with, with people hanging on to twitter to a certain degree <laughs> which is so weird it's like it's our vhs i guess <laughs> that's a good way of putting it um so like how long was it before you because you started doing shorts how long was it before you got confident and said like okay let's do something a little bit more significant um oh it was a good couple of years because i yeah i I did some shorts i kept trying to do various shorts i even put like a mini anthology together but um i don't think i think it was about two years i'm I'm trying to get the timeline in my head is when it was around the time yeah it was a, a thought bubble not this one gone but the one before when uh, I talked to Elliot Bolson, uh, the co-creator and artist on Untethered, okay. and and he's he's a he's a lad that I met through Miller World as well, and he had this short of the the genie, uh, you know, of, of I think he's got it on his website of the sort of the first couple of scenes of Untethered, and for some reason, because we were good mates on Miller World and we chatted a lot on there, he was also like. I always hate saying this. I always thought I was a, I was a, I thought I was a decent writer. <laughs> so he, it, it, this is why writers can't talk about themselves in a positive way. All the time, they can't. <laughs> but he's saying that you know, if if you want to build it from there, and uh, you know, uh, whatever we can do after that, sort of build up on that first scene. I was like, okay, but I was chickening away from it because I also I think I also pitched another sort of full-length comic that I might go back to. But at that moment, I was like, nah, it was just me fighting against my own sort of skill set. I was like, I can't do a full-length comic. Right. I can't do it. So I said, yeah. So I did try to, I, I tempted the other story, the one that wasn't untethered first, and I got halfway through, but I was like, nah, just scrapped it. So I scrapped that. But luckily, Elliot was there to sort of give me a shot at something. And we're already on, we're working on issue two. So that's... Some of that's you know that that I'd like to well we done one issue why not carry on? <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny how like because I think there's a there's an expectation sometimes with comics where people assume 
um, writers kind of have to be the one that take artists on board to an idea. But it's nice to hear because I, I had a similar story where uh, the the All Ages comic I write called Arts was the, the artist approached me and said like, hey, I think, you know, you write kind of some funny stuff. I think you'd be good for this. And I, I kind of I think that should happen more. To a certain degree, I think, yeah. you know, artists should take a little bit of time out to go like, hey, I wouldn't mind working with this art writer. I should talk to them about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, oh, uh, by the way, how, how weird was it when the artist went up to you and said, you write funny stuff. I think you should team up with, I'm, I'm just being honest. How, how did that feel at the time? Were you like, is this how it's meant to be? Or <laughs> wait, did you accept it? I, I am, I am kind of an egomaniac when it comes to my own skill set. <laughs> Uh, it, it, there's there's very few things I am confident in, um, but that is one of them, and so uh, okay. that was one I was kind of like, yes, you're right, sir, I am. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I was fucking long enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, why hasn't people been throwing these sort of opportunities at me all the time? <laughs> but I have to be honest, though, though it, it's that's fine. Like, but when it comes down to presenting the script, I was super freaking out because oh, yeah. it was the first time I had written kind of for an artist who had seen other like comic scripts before so formatting and maybe it's the geek in me who was you know who thinks everything has to be you know cross the t's and i's and all that kind of crap uh like the format was very scary and like i was super important to me that i got that right so that i looked like i knew what i was doing <laughs> that was the bit that was a real scary part for me yeah, i can imagine and like yeah it's kind of it's funny because you you said you had written a few kind of film scripts before and things like that and there's there is if you have an experience writing for a visual medium comics can be as uh easy enough to migrate to because it does a lot of the similar thinking but how did you find going from one to the other did you what was the biggest stumbling block learning how to write for a comic as opposed to writing for a film script for me, it would be when you're stripping uh, like a a film scene down. Mm. When you when you strip a film scene down to its bare essentials and its key points, that's when you have a really good comic. That's what I believe. But it's finding those key points when you're like, oh, am I lingering on this moment too long? Or well, you're basically finding the beats and making sure they work well on the page. Yeah, I uh, I kind of. Um... Uh, I always wonder if if it would be a good exercise to teach someone who's learning how to how to write a comics if they watch like a, a movie that they like and just take one particular scene like even if you took like uh, the Reservoir Dog scene where he gets his ear cut off yeah and tell them absolutely. and tell them that they can pause the tape like five to six times during that scene to catch the most important moments and could they yeah. could they basically you know turn that into five panels for a, you know a page to tell that story like can they can they recognize what the most important parts of that scene is absolutely i think for us a, a good film for that exercise is probably any sort of uh, sergio leone film i think like maybe once upon a time in the west would be even the opening scene would be amazing as a comic i always thought that uh when like Charles Bronson's entering and the sort of long visual panels and oh it'll be, it'll be glorious as a comic. Yeah, it's actually it's funny because I I have mixed feelings about the, uh, this director, but like even Wes Anderson, I feel like would get that aesthetic a little bit. 
Um, yeah. He has kind of a lot of very established shots and, and kind of one moment uh, shots that could kind of, yeah, yeah. that could work. The uh, only thing I'd be worried about him is if he's writing a comic, he'll probably go to the colorist and the artist and say, no, 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 your, your angle has to be changed two degrees and can you just draw the whole thing because i know he's very controlling in his scripts I've, I've heard that about him yeah if he if he was a writer for comics he would be a writer artist he wouldn't he couldn't work with anybody else <laughs> <laughs> he'd make alan moore look like a piece like piece of cake compared to him <laughs> it's it's funny as it's the second time alan moore has come up in conversations today uh, <laughs> what what were you when when you were getting into comics was was he a guy that you read a lot because you would have been reading comics around the kind of late 80s early 90s right uh, for, for us, it would have been uh, late. Well, mine would have been early, uh, mid nineties to late nineties, and then I had a bit of a lull, and then I got back into it around mid two thousands. So, what were kind of influential comics for you around that time? Oh well, uh, it was Losers. For us, definitely. That's a that's a great comic. That's a really underrated comic, I think, as well. Oh yeah, so good, so good. Because. Um, I think the film didn't give it just. It's been a while since I've seen the film. The film was okay, but the comic was really fresh and really like exciting at the time. Yeah, and it, it was uh, kind of it was that idea that like this is like a really cool A team sort of story, and yeah, yeah. it was yeah it was just a really fun and the artwork was great as well. I really love the artwork on that one. Oh, fucking jock, honestly. I know. I kind He's, of... He doesn't make many comic comics. He just is kind of just farting around with posters and, and covers these days, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see him do another one soon. Oh, yeah. It, he would be amazing. Anything he does... I, I've actually seen him in Thought World a few times when he's actually drawing him and David Adger. Yeah, it's David like, I, it's yeah. Like, it's someone making this fucking Sistine Chapel the way they work. It's fucking mental. <laughs> So Losers was one. Can you think of another? Do, 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 do. Around that time, uh, well, because my um, love for comics was split into two when I was a young kid, it was Sonic the Comic as well, which is something that I used to like, you know, used to just go into the corner shop, grab when my mum wasn't looking, put it in, in, in with the shopping, and she would buy it, but then she couldn't get us to return again. But haha, I'm reading it now. Yeah, I've ne- I've never read Sonic the Comic, but I actually surprisingly have heard a lot of really good things about it. <laughs> I never, never expected that. Oh yeah, one of the strips that I loved in it was uh, the Shinobi one, which is really weird because it's like the last one when you think about in Sonic the Comic. I, th- I think it was Sonic the Comic, or it's maybe the Sega uh, magazine, uh, Sega uh, comic, which is for like teenagers or something. But it was really good. It, it was really. Fresh, that's all I can remember. But other than that, I think the Streets of Rage one was also pretty good. Now, now I'm trying to think back which ones were actually in the comic. So, I mean, I'm getting the impression that the superhero kind of comics have not really necessarily been your bag. Uh, they've not, not really, because when I, when I got back into comics, I, specific, I, I, I really went into reading, uh, if I was going to read any sort of superhero comics, it would be the new X-Force or the new Punisher comics. They're sort of anti-hero, sort of uh, the spandex and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's cool and all that, but I, I do like the sort of the other crews, the other sort of superheroes. 
Right, the kind of the more uh, either street level or the the less kind of you know um, yeah proclaimed ones. Exactly. Yeah, well, like big events didn't really uh, get me interested that much. It's more like here's this guy, he's going to fight this guy for the next twenty pages. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll I'll, I'll read that. <laughs> Because it, it reminds me of that um, ah, that Moon Knight issue that Hass, uh, Hass did an uh, episode on Strip Pan Naked on. Uh, I can't remember which one it was. I mean, that, could, was be any, that could be anything from the series, though. <laughs> I mean, Hass has done a lot on Moon Knight. <laughs> but, but it was just like that. It was just mental. I, I, love, I love when it's uh, like perfectly paced and perfectly... Uh, sort of scripted fights in comics because what I love about it just like going back to the sort of uh, storytelling sorry uh, reinventing films through comics is that you get to fill in the gaps when it's a fight or something kinetic in a comic and that's what I really love that's it. I I find uh, fight scenes particularly hard to script in comics um, because I don't know how long I can stretch it out and keep it interesting, or I don't know yeah. like how uh, how visual because you know again because every artist is, as well you're writing to your artist strengths and you know some artists uh, I I wrote a couple of like you know fight scenes for artists who are not necessarily uh, familiar with kind of you know more action stuff. Um, yeah. and so, you know, that's difficult to kind of, to, to get, to, to get through. So, uh, did you find, who do you think is, is great, particularly for showing fight scenes? Uh, off the top of my head, I think Declan, Declan's really good at that. Declan Shelby. Yeah. He's, uh, he kind of, he has a sparse page, but it, it gives a little bit of space to the actual fight. Cause you know, you don't want to clutter yeah. that shit too much, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think he's, uh, he's, he does it well as well. He does really good sort of visceral, but not too visceral fights. I like the sort of fine line that, uh, artists do between over the top and just playing nasty. Like, you yeah. don't want it to be too great. You just want it to be sort of, oh, that's pretty cool. And I just love it when they sort of ride that fine line. Yeah, I'm thinking of, uh, have you read Injection? Ooh, ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, uh, I'm thinking of the, yeah. ki- the kitchen fight uh, scene that happens in Injection where <laughs> yeah. that's particularly fun. I like that one. Um, you, I could see that playing out in a in a film or elsewhere. Although that's not the goal, everybody. No, 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 no. It's not the goal. Yeah. Absolutely. Disclaimer here. <laughs> Just before anyone kills us. <laughs> yeah. You do it for the love of the com- comics. We do not want more money for films. Thank you. <laughs> so, I, and, and as a kind of like a... Because I know you like WWE. Do you like UFC as well? I think you do. Or I think I've seen you t- tweet about UFC, haven't I? Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, I got back into UFC when Fozzie and my wife started... Uh, you know, telling me more about it when I think it was only about a couple of years ago. When I used to watch UFC fights every now and then, I, I even do uh, MMA as well training, but right. I never used to watch UFC because uh, it's not it weren't, it weren't as wide as WWE for me to access. Yeah, it's, it's 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 hard to to find. It's getting easier, but it was hard to find for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, oh, I love I love I do love a bit of UFC. I'm I'm always surprised because, like you said before, I mean, there's a lot of 
comic book kind of uh, similarities and like you know the over the top stories in, in WWE and the physical fighting and, and UFC has its own drama as well been <laughs> built into it I mean Conor McGregor is, is a drama machine um, oh yeah but I'm surprised there's not there's not many comics based in that world considering it, it should be like an easy like crossover you know yeah I would say give it a couple of years because I think in UFC, especially in the UFC world or MMA world at this time, it still has its bro-y sort of um, roots in there. Like it's still not like I bet you anything in the fan base of the UFC. I would I would bet that at least thirty percent of the fan base are legit nerds. Like yeah. comic book lovers uh, love wrestling, but because you've got the other seventy percent who are like, I used to watch American football or, or things like that that are considered as macho. Yeah, yeah, they don't really like to sort of combine it. I'd just say give it a few years. You probably would see a bit more uh, people in the UFC and in MMA, MMA being more accepting of you know people who who say that it's not too dissimilar from wrestling and comics, you know. And it just takes a few years, I think. And how do you find, because sometimes, you know, I know, like, as a, as a sports fan and a comic book nerd, there's not often a crossover between the people I know who like either yeah. one. Um, and uh, wrestling is a bit of a good, good bit of a crossover. But uh, do you find that, like, you have a set of friends that just can never meet and hang out because they're into very different things? Like, how does, how is walking that line for you? Uh, I embrace it, <laughs> like I'm, like because I do what I do believe I do have uh, different circles of friends. But to me, uh, to, I mean, from their point of view, I, more often than not, I'm considered as the nerdy one. But I don't see it as a sort of derogatory term to me, especially with my football friends. Uh, I play football with them, chill out. I'll, I'll talk about comics, but if they're not interested, they, obviously they'll talk about, oh, the Infinity War came out, and I'll be like, oh, well, in, uh, in, in issue X, this happened now, I won't go into that, because you gotta you got to sort of, you know, uh, figure out what audience you have before you start talking about all sorts of other stuff. And it's same with the sort of my UFC fans. I wouldn't go into too much detail about comics, because that's what they're into, and that's how I sort of, sort of juggle between my different circles, you just sort of got to know when to unleash your fandom and when to rein it in. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, um, there's, there's, it's awkward times I've, I've had it happen to me where I forget which group I'm with and I start talking about a subject until I see a blank stare in their eyes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, sorry guys, never mind. <laughs> yeah. <It's> been... <laughs> you, can, you can never push it too hard. You've got to be like, as conservative as you can, but just let him know that if you want to talk about, uh, I don't know, the Punisher Max run in depth, I'm your man. But that's if you want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God bless our wives who uh, who yeah. we've just we haven't really given a choice in this matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're amazing. They're amazing. Yeah, actually, yeah, we, I I'm I'll be seeing you at Thought Bubble again this year. Oh yes, great. Oh, are you tabling? Uh, I am. Yes. Uh, I still can't remember if I have a full table or a half table. I'm assuming it's a half. Um, but uh, yeah, my wife will be coming this year. Uh, this will be her first kind of proper convention event. All right. 
Yeah. Cool. So it'll be interesting to see how she slides into uh, the the open DMs of comic book <laughs> conversations. <laughs> uh, make sure she brings uh, like a book or something with her just in case she needs to just slip to the back and you know leave you guys to it. Yeah, I th- I think she'll probably grab hold of uh, Helen Hass's uh, lovely lady and and probably run off oh, yeah. the bar together. I think that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> a few years ago I took I took my wife to uh, Thought Bubble when when we first got married the first year. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to go Thought Bubble which is this year." And I'm like, "If you want to come along, you can, but I got to warn you, it's nothing like San Diego." Just to let you know, it's nothing like Comic Con. <laughs> and she was like, no, no, I'll, I'll pop over. So we went for the first day, and God bless her, she lasted for two whole hours before she went to the town to watch Spectre. Wow. <laughs> two whole hours. And I'm like, you, you've done good. I'm, yeah. I'm shocked. I'm, I'm shocked you lasted more than an hour. <laughs> and how, how do you find tabling at events like this? Do you, do, are, do you enjoy it? Is it, is it nerve-wracking? Like how, how is that experience for you? Um, in fact, this was the first time that I ever tabled. Because, um, well, actually, I, I did table a little bit at my local comic book shop, the Batcave, a little okay. shout out there. Um, that was a few weeks before Thoughtful, just to sort of get a feel of it. Yeah. But Thoughtful uh, last year was the first time I ever tabled. And first it started off a bit nervous because I was like, I don't know what to expect. But luckily I was in good company because if I remember correctly, I had the Maddiest guys across from us and they are just lovable goofballs. Oh, that's great. Um, but, yeah, and I think I had Stephen Mooney next to us on my right. He, he was in and out of it, but, you know, like, he'd pop in, pop <laughs> he's, out, a, but... he's, he's a grumpy man at the best of times. <laughs> oh, oh, he was lovely. He was lovely, though. Oh, yeah, no, he's a sweetheart, but yeah, there's something... Yeah. <laughs> even when he's being, like, even when he's in a great mood and feeling really nice, he has this kind of, like, really stare that he does <laughs> that is just kind of it just yeah. intimidating to me. <laughs> I, th- I think we should call it a resting moony face. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but also, also at the Freak Town Comics guys across from us, uh, which is uh, the Russ that I mentioned from from Millworld. So it was so I was in good company of whenever it started to get a bit too much for me, I was able to, or, or, or when it was winding down and there's fuck all to do, I could just start chatter with yeah. these guys so football I, I would say if anyone's thinking about tabling or going for, for the first time I, I would say you could do worse than football it was brilliant it was a brilliant time for us yeah and it's kind of it is it's a it's a very friendly event um i that was my first year tabling at thought bubble last year i had tabled in places in dublin before but in, in a thought bubble it was my first time last year too and uh they sat me next next to john wagner um, okay. from 2000 AD and uh, there was another guy who beside me uh, who's also a 2000 AD artist um, Tom, Tom Erthrington and he had, oh, yeah. he had this like virtual reality artwork on his table like it was it was uh, called augmented reality and if you hold your phone or iPad up to one of his drawings or, or posters it would start to move um and so it was a very interesting couple of days between these two guys like it was it was definitely an experience oh man i can imagine i can imagine i, I think i also had uh was it marissa i think i had marissa a couple of tables down from us um marissa louise i think her name is okay 
That was the first time. And obviously, I had Adlai as my roommate, and he's amazing. I love him. I love Adlai. Yeah, he's uh, he feels like the king of Thought Bubble. He's he kind Prince, of Prince Prince King. I'm the king. Yeah, okay, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, and the two of you are very hard to get off the dance floor. Oh yes, oh yes. If anything, I, I, I received that, and I, actually, I take back that last comment. He is the king because we lift him up. Me and Hugo. I think it was last year or the year before. As the king, he is. Oh, it's an ongoing I've, thing. I think he gets lifted up every year now. Oh yeah, he expects He's it. You'd be sad if it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just it's it's a, it's a thought bubble tradition lifting him up on the dance floor. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a crazy weekend. So uh, I guess this has been an advertisement for uh, Thought Bubble UK. If anybody's interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My address is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send us some payment for this advertisement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't mind. <laughs> so I mean, what have you got coming up now um, over the summer? Have you got any kind of like? Are you got any um, comics that you're looking to get out, or, or an event that you're going to? Oh well, over the summer, what we're looking to do is we're just working on Untethered issue two. We're just making sure everything's in place before we get the Kickstarter going. Uh, hopefully, just before Thought Bubble. Nice. Um, and I'm I'm also currently working on issue three, which is uh, what we're looking to do is. Uh, a three issue arc and have that as a collection and then obviously me and, and and then me and Elliot can do our own separate stuff but at least we'll have a collection of something that we worked on that if anyone wants to have a look through it anyone wants to possibly give me some work from it that'd be great yeah I know that's it's always <laughs> yeah. the goal isn't it this is like hey here's a cool Absolutely. thing that I did look at it <laughs> now now let me pitch this to you <laughs> yeah, yeah now, now pay me to do more <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> But no, I, I really love working with obviously uh, with Elliot, but also Rob, um, who's a letterer, amazing guy, absolutely. He's one of the mad, maddiest guys, one of the hardest working fuckers in comics, probably next to that Matt Garvey. That yeah. fucking Matt Garvey in too many fucking. I don't, I don't I'm missing. I'm missing. Love you, Matt. <laughs> um, but then also we've got Mike, who is just amazing on colors. So the whole crew, the whole crew, the whole team on there are doing a wicked job we're just uh, looking to get issue two ready rolling for summer hopefully yeah and it's it's great when you're kind of you have everybody who is like is just on their game um yeah. and, you know and, and working like at a high level it's 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 a, it's always thrilling to see new pages come in and shit like that oh yeah oh yeah so good especially uh, when you're like i fucking wrote this <laughs> wait a second you've made everything i've done infinitely better <laughs> uh all right umar i've got um one question for you before we go uh because uh every time uh, i end one of these interviews i ask the interviewee what song they'd like to walk out on so Ooh. uh what do, what would you like your exit for music for this podcast to be oh oh because uh oh i got it i got it can I have Coaches by Audio Slave because Chris Cornell was one of my favorite musicians and saw that he passed away last year. That is a great that but, is a great pick. Yeah. That that would also be my walkout music if I was in the UFC or WWE just letting you know. Yeah. Oh, it's a good one. A long <laughs> a long intro before the music kicks in and I so I feel like it's a long cuz you have to walk out when the when the the heavy guitars kick in, right? So it's Absolutely. A long, Absolutely. It's, it's a long stretch up to there, but it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's a build up. <laughs> Yeah, and you're actually like I think the first uh, guest that I've had who's picked a song that I already own on CD. So this is good. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't yes. have to download this one. <laughs> <laughs>
brilliant, brilliant. All right, well, thanks for having, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And you've survived your first podcast. Yes, yes, and it was brilliant, man. It was brilliant. <laughs> Love you, Art. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> See you next week, eh?